Hello and welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Emily Leadham. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we are so grateful to have you with us this morning. It has been an awesome start to our day. We've had great conversations with each other. That was a great conversation. That was a good cut. We covered a lot of ground. I'm grateful for this time because sometimes in the busyness of our office days, we miss miss out on those. Although, let's be honest, we try and be good about connecting. We do try. And and what I have to to say too, Emily, um, I loved that we were able to say, uh, because right before uh, we were going on the air, um, I I think Heather asked us, what are you guys going to banter about? And we're like, oh, we'll find out. Anyway, because that's what we're able to just... Have I think an interesting conversation in the midst of friendship? It's because I'm so interesting. (laughs) As Father Jeff said, just an interesting. interesting. So one of the things that we bantered about, if you will, was um, children and just kind of honoring the dignity of the of the child and their desires. The expression of Dad, can we play a game or can we do this? Can we go to the park? Um, And I shared a little bit that I've kind of had an awakening, if you will, in the last few years about just uh, educating our children and what that means, what that looks like. And a lot of my education has come from conversations with my dear friend, Miss Hannah Motes. Hannah, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thanks so much. It's fun to be here. It's, it's such a you, gift Hannah. to have you. Okay, so maybe a place to start. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us kind of why education um, has been important to you. Maybe a little bit of your own experience in your education um, and now where you're at with your children. Sure. So I'm from St. Paul. Um, St. Paulites are very proud of that. So. St. Paulites? <laughs> rah, rah, Is that what St. Paul, Paul people are called? Uh, I love that. St. Paulites. I've never sure. heard that. Yeah. I don't know if that's just that's cool. my circle that calls <laughs> it that. But um, I'm one of seven kids, and I'm in the middle. Uh, in terms of education, I was a Montessori preschooler and then was in Catholic Catholic grade school in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went to a classical junior high and high school called Trinity. Graduated 2005, then went on to Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, where I studied French philosophy and art. French philosophy or no. French and... <laughs> good, good clarification. Yeah. No, I did read some Rousseau and some French philosophers, but I studied French Comma. separately from philosophy and then philosophy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, took a year and just worked at a legal publishing firm in the Twin Cities and then went to law school at St. Thomas in Minneapolis, which is the dark side of the river. Uh, yes, that's that's the pride about the St. Paulites coming out as opposed yeah. to those, the, as yeah. opposed to those Minneapolis. Minneapolis people. Yeah, <laughs> Minneapolis crazies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then um, graduated 2013, um, and during that time met my wonderful husband Chris. So our second year, we were married, um, and then had Francis, our first, our third year of law school. Uh, Following law school, we spent four years in Cambridge, which is about an hour north of the cities. Yeah, Cambridge, Minnesota. Cambridge, Cambridge, Minnesota. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Talking Um, about education, Cambridge. Yes, we went to Cambridge. That was a little more exciting. Yeah, Yeah, no, unfortunately. It was a beautiful place, though. Um, And then we've been in Sioux Falls for three years and now have four uh, lovely children. And you are currently homeschooling? Currently homeschooling, yes. So uh, we started homeschooling in Cambridge because um, life was a little bit up in the air and Chris has a military background. And so it was a practical 
reality that we may need flexibility in homes in like homeschooling, homeschooling. fit that mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. So, and in Cambridge, there wasn't a whole lot of options mm-hmm. for education. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. your old friends, as you mentioned, she's eight now. Yeah, right? she's eight. So, your elementary, your oldest is is now in elementary. Exactly. So, you're you've been navigating in light of not only your kids but also your own experience. What does education look like for our children? Very much so, yeah. And so where are you at right now? What does it look like for you now? Right, so I never received a homeschool education. um, And I think as I'm discovering, talking to a lot of homeschool moms, I actually had an experience of a beautiful communal education, which is rare, I'm realizing. Communal education, what does that mean? Um, Traditional. A community of learners. A community of learners, exactly. So um, I went to a school <laughs> with others, and we had uh, we were presented with a feast to cons- mm. uh, you know a feast of knowledge to consume, reading original texts, discussing. Um, you know, we were painting, we were singing, we were doing things, putting on plays, things together to pursue our, mm-hmm. our educational journey together as a community of learners. So for me, homeschooling's never really been my ideal form of education. It just felt very isolated, uh, especially in Cambridge, where there weren't a lot of other homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. So you, you would say your desire is actually more that community of learners um, Together, and, and I loved that you used the word feast. There's this feast that you were presented with that you were able to consume. Um, I'm curious for you now with your own children, um, what's the role of, of, or what's your role in the education of your children? How do you see your role, not just in the homeschool world, but um, more broadly, you as a mom? Yeah, I think we're all realizing the importance of parents in education with with the pandemic. With the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. it got really, really real, really fast. Yeah. Yeah. But I think even more broadly, um, the the reality is that uh, we have to present the faith to our children. And a lot of um, people, like in Sioux Falls, there's not a bus system really for the private schools or for the Catholic schools. So, so the reality is for some people that... Um, public education isn't going to present the faith, isn't going to lead their child to Christ, but they have to use a public school system because maybe both parents are working and they can't, um, I don't know, I'm thinking specifically of a family that our, that our family has grown in friendship with over the last few months. And because private school isn't an option for them, they, it's very clear that they have to be the primary educators in the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so beyond the pandemic, I think there's, there's a nugget of truth there that the, the primal is essential. Yeah. And, um, when you have had different conversations with me about what classical education was, I just had never really been exposed to that. One of the things that has intrigued me is that it's not just that the, the faith, well, the faith is primal. But not in the way that I think about it in terms of like religion class, Mm. but actually that a Catholic should view math differently. A Catholic should view science differently. Um, And that's been kind of an eye-opening 
thing for me, that it's not just this separated experience of here's my religion class and then over here is math class, these silos of education. So can you talk a little bit about um, your desire for that integration in education, that everything is kind of connecting and building off of each other? Yeah. Um, If God is truth, beauty, and goodness, he's reflected in all of reality. And as we encounter reality it really is an encounter with, with God yeah. um, in his goodness in creating beauty. So I think um, that integration also really leads you to, to the formation of, of the whole person. Like our faith isn't something that we just encounter in mass for an hour once a week. Our faith really should permeate every aspect of our lives so um just the experience i think that's common to to many is walking outside and and encountering beauty and just realizing that our creator is so good and he loves us so much to give us these encounters with beauty so it's important in trying to to um, recognize the humanity of our children, that we're facilitating encounters with God beyond uh, beyond the four walls of the church, but mm-hmm. really that they can have an integrated life, that mm-hmm. they can have a beautiful life encountering God in in all things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I think with that, the example you gave of nature, or, or, I was thinking when Emily asked math, I mean, for me... I, the the way that that makes what we're talking about here this integration of faith um, with all aspects of learning um, in mathematics I am my child is discovering the structure of the universe as God has created I mean math math in, in me always describes the structure of reality so this is this well, is I've like definitely a, missed that in my algebra I, class <laughs> well but but, that, but that, yeah. right if you think I mean yeah so for me as as a child because I, I this is easy for me because I loved math growing up but I didn't have this this perspective on it at the time but that's the reality God has created the universe this way and and so when I'm studying math I'm um, it's sort of like I'm going down into dad's workshop or, or I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like dad's showing me actually maybe this dad's showing me the furnace room, uh, how things actually work. If you will, our heavenly father is allowing me to discover, um, if you will, the secrets of his creation, which math in many ways describes. The other reason I thought of that immediately Emily is because, um, I came across reference. This is like 12 years ago, a high schooler who was being told she went to a Catholic school and her teacher was great about, listen, in math, we are going to see the, you're, you're going to see the face of Jesus Christ. And she's like, it's the Pythagorean theorem. I'm not seeing this. Fa-. And, and I don't, I don't remember how now. Cause I read this, like I said, 12 plus years ago, but there was a day where she, Oh my gosh, there he is. Like Seriously. she saw, uh, if you will, you know what I mean? Yeah. She s- recognized the face of Christ, even in the Pythagorean theorem. Wow. So that it, I get the, the idea of, like, right now I'm putting my, my hand, it, fingers interlocking the integrated um, approach to education that a classical curriculum in particular offers. Mm-hmm. So, Hannah, uh, so your, this is something that you desire for your kids is to offer them this sort of an education where it's not just these different separate disciplines, but where everything is, again, interlocking, integrated. That's right. 
Yeah. What's the role for you as parents? Because I think uh, you mentioned earlier, it got very, um, it became very clear the need for parents to be involved in the education of their children, especially in the last six months when suddenly education was happening within the four walls of our homes in a, in a way that it for most American families has never happened in that way before. And I think it's been interesting watching all of my Instagram moms kind of saying, Hmm, I'm curious about this whole homeschooling thing for the first time where before it was like, no way, never, ever. Um, why do you think it's important for parents, even if they're not homeschooling, to be deeply involved in the education of their children and not just to pass it along to teachers and say, good luck, go get an education? Sure. So um, there's a beautiful document from the Second Vatican Council on uh, Christian education. And I'll share a quote from that, but just backing up one step, I think uh, because... Uh, before you can educate, you have to have a formation in the necessary virtues Mm. um, to be able to be a learner, to be a fully human person. To be a good human. Person, right? So things like diligence, thoughtfulness, Mm -hmm. thoroughness, um, the habit of remembering, attentiveness to what's before you, all of these Habits, which you think Aristotle, like, um, you have to be formed in habits, and then these can become virtues, and these can become your character. A teacher is dealing with already formed habits. Amen. Um, And so they have a very hard time dealing with a student that's not diligent, that's not Mm. obedient. I think teachers spend a lot of time just maintaining order, so actually, um, there's a first step, uh, the years prior to education, and the example set by parents that forms um, this little human in their humanness, which it yeah. creates the learner that a teacher is dealing with. Um, so there's that primal piece, but there's just this little, little quote uh, that is from the Second Vatican Council. Since parents have given their children life, they're bound by the most serious obligation to educate their offspring and therefore must be recognized as the primary and principal educators. Um, and it just goes on to talk about how it can be supplied where it's lacking, but parents create an atmosphere that brings up a, a person mm. that we enter into the education system, whatever mm-hmm. um, that looks like. So, mm-hmm. And they're bound to it. They have this, this bind. Hannah, this was awesome. Thanks so much for just sharing your heart for education with us. And um, yeah, it's, it's inspiring to me to hear you. Yeah, and, and so we're just going to take a short break. We'll come back and continue the conversation. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm Emily Leadham. And you're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. 
We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. In today's crowded higher education field, there's one university whose quality and personal care stands out from the crowd, the University of Mary. The University of Mary offers truly affordable, flexible adult education because your success is our priority. Here, you matter, and we're with you every step of the way to make sure you succeed. Choose a university community that cares about you as a student for life. Discover us at online.umary.edu slash discovermary. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo, parishioner of Saints Anne and Joachim Church in Fargo. I'm excited to share with you the launch of Lumen Vision, providing eye care for the whole family, including eye emergencies, vision therapy, and routine exams. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Eyes of Faith, a frame company that prints scripture verses on the inside of each frame. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're with Emily Leadham. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we are sitting down with Hannah Motes right now to chat all about education, uh, which has been kind of a hot topic in recent months as education went back into our homes and is now back into our schools. And um, yeah, it's, it's been quite the journey. Uh, and so we've just been talking about with Hannah about her own experience of education and now uh, really taking an active part in the education of her own four children. Um, in so many different ways. Um, Hannah, you had mentioned earlier this that your experience, especially in high school, was like you were with this community of learners with a feast set before you of education. And I, I just would love to unpack that more, especially because culturally that's not typically how we approach um, education. Uh, and yeah, what's your, what's your take on that? What do you see? Yeah, I stole that image from uh, a turn-of-the-century educator in England, Charlotte Mason, who I, I don't claim to be an expert in, but she was really the first, um, the first I guess, uh, mentor for me mm-hmm. in, in thinking about actually methods of education and not just receiving it on the student end, but actually thinking about how am I going to present material to my own kiddos. Um, so she is the one who talks about this feast. But, you know, in, in uh, thinking about the feast in our times, 
it's, I think, challenging because our concept of a feast is sometimes sort of like McDonald's, where it's like, okay, I can just like go through the drive-thru and this is really easy, versus uh, huh. a concept of like, okay, maybe... Um, so in our family, we, we have a big garden, and we, I'm often struggling with like, gosh, it's just so easy to like buy some beans and eat them from the store. And this is so much work. We have to pick yeah. up, pick, you know, we're growing the beans, we're waiting for them, we're nurturing them, we're weeding them, and then we have to pick all the little tops off, yeah. and we have to wash them, and this just takes so much time, and now my kitchen's a mess, because my kids are throwing little bean tops everywhere all <laughs> over the kitchen, um, and this is a lot of work, but, uh, and we don't necessarily always think about, like, is this nutritious what I'm going to eat. We're just less connected actually to food than in past generations. And so the analogy of the feast, I think is a beautiful one, but it takes a little unpacking mm. because of that for us. So it's because it's not just a matter of even the analogies you're portraying. It's not even just a matter of going, getting a great steak from the butchers. It's more like I grew the cow and so on where it's, it's the whole, right. the process, the work it takes to get to now this beautiful meal. Right. Because education, like as you said earlier, I, I really loved what you said before the break about how um, the teacher, in order, when we sort of pass the kids to uh, the more tr- formal school, if you will, real school is what my kids call it because they're homeschooled, they want to go to real school. <laughs> um, for that, that, that handoff where they have to, I, hopefully I've already given them the virtues that will make them good learners. Similarly, feast, a, a great feast requires all this effort and hard work that was done months ago, frankly, to plant the garden, to, to grow the animals, etc. Right. So there's this process of labor that's involved in education, and then there's <clears throat> the actual content of what you're feeding and just actually giving good mind food to your kids. So um, for me, that really looks like the beans would be um, the greatest minds that they're able to receive from. And that's definitely not me. So that's letting them read uh, the experts on different topics or um, encounter a beautiful work of literature for themselves mm. and not pre-digesting it for them and then just spitting out my analysis. Mm-hmm. Like, that's McDonald's. That's yeah. not the beans, you know? That's the, ed- the like, really nutritious stuff for their mind. So going back to what you said to me, this, this is one of the hallmarks of a classical education, exposure to primary sources, as opposed to, it's not so much to the teacher, because the teacher has an important role either way, but as opposed to more of a textbook where somebody, usually a committee, has done that pre-digestive work for the, for child, the child, rather than me as the teacher. What, what, what do you think, what's the image of a teacher, or what's the, in the analogy, what's the teacher's role for you, like, when you think of your education, where you were exposed to primary texts, what was the role of the teacher in this analogy? The teacher was really pointing the child back to the text. Mm. So it wasn't a role of digestion for the student where you're going to like lay out a beautiful chart or um, sometimes it's overwhelming for an actual teacher to look at my stack of books and they're like, oh my gosh, you must be preparing for 
all summer and every night you're like reading this stuff yeah. to prepare and I I just uh don't I don't do that you know yeah. like it's definitely beautiful to be able to read these texts with my children and, and continue a life of learning with them but I'm not pre-digesting and then presenting the text before they read the text they're just reading the text and we're talking about it after I just um, heard this term Socra- what is it called Socratic, Socratic dialogue what is that and what's the role of that instead of being a yeah what's Socratic dialogue because this was like a aha moment for me especially as a mom of how often I just try to impress upon my children well this is why we do this or you need to tie your shoes this way or whatever the thing is that I'm trying to teach them um, as opposed to in a Socratic method yeah, I think it, the Socratic method very s- simply is asking questions. It's allowing the other person to use their God-given reason to encounter truth for themselves. So following uh, the reading of a text from a great mind, um, you enable the student to actually make it their own by asking questions rather than just providing answers so that they can think through and go through that that work, that process, um, mm-hmm. to internalize and the text and make it their own through their own articulation versus you articulating it. That's great. That doesn't make it theirs. So, mm. uh, do you feel like the seed is planted deeper in them when they discover it for themselves? Oh, definitely. Um, you you can't learn for someone else. So oh, yeah. They have to actually digest the material themselves you can't you can't actually um force someone to learn or imprint a stamp on their head that makes them learn like i often wish i could you know yeah yeah the one of the beautiful things but also i think the challenge of the socratic method is that it i think there's a can be a temptation to reduce it to i'm going to use questions instead of Mm. to lead them somewhere but really it's a joint like a Full on, and you, I don't know if you can do this with younger kids as much as you can high school and college, but it's a full on, okay, let's just, we're going to ask questions, and I, even as the teacher, I don't know where we're going. We're going to use our God given reason in dialogue with one another to discover the truth. Mm, that's and, a and, death to self. Right, totally, because it's not me telling you, even using questions, it's us. We're going we're gonna to see where this goes, which is what you see happen in Plato's dialogues where Socrates is. Well, yeah, but we'll say more about that. Why he truly is trying to discover the truth. He's not. Let me teach you by asking you questions. It's really a joint discovery. Yeah, it it is a joint discovery, and one thing that's key to having a true Socratic discussion like that is that you're actually a good observer, a good listener, mm-hmm. a good reader. Um, that you're attentive to the text. So that's a primary role of the educator or the parent or um, is actually pointing the child back to the text right. to be a careful reader. Cause you're really trying to receive from, you are trying to receive from great minds and, and make it your own. And when you diverge as, you know, even as an adult, you know, to listen carefully, it's such an important skill in really receiving from reality um, so, but that's why you cannot, you don't have to pre-read all the reading you're going to do because you and your kids are going to read it together and together discover the truth that's in there, but you're able to use your more honed ability to read, um, 
to help maybe avoid some dead ends that might arise. Yeah. I think of the example with a small child of like giving them something to draw. And often um, my child would actually, we'd end up with like pink clouds and we weren't even like outside. Maybe we were looking at a vase and they're drawing pink clouds and you're like, huh, there's some disconnect here between what you're seeing. <laughs> Maybe you just really want to draw pink clouds. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's key actually to build those preliminary skills. skills. Uh, <laughs> takes yeah. discipline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To not just talk about whatever you want to talk about, yes. but actually to, to delve into truth and in what you're encountering. Yes. So, what, what, this is maybe too big of a question, and maybe I'm gonna. There's a question I'd, I'd be fascinated to answer to. Maybe we'll have have to wait for another time. But why are you doing this? Wouldn't it be just so much easier to do sort of a more traditional uh, approach to education than than all the work that goes into this? Um, well, to me, it's really exciting. Like I, I love to learn, mm-hmm. and so. Part of in, in Cambridge when we we're f- when I was first thinking about like okay what do I do to educate you know we're coming up on kindergarten or preschool, um, I I uh, there were two things there was like the practical okay it would be good to have the flexibility of homeschool but there was also the excitement of mm-hmm. like you know we can learn to do stuff we can paint we can learn mm-hmm. French. I don't know any grade schools that are going to teach my child French. And, and you know what? I can do that. Um, we can, and I can continue to learn with my child. And I think that's ex- excitement of any homeschooling mom as well, is starting to get the books in the mail for the fall and yeah. looking at, like, oh, we're going to read about, you know, medieval history. And mm. I don't remember medieval history that well. And this is going to stretch me. Add richness to my life as well to mm-hmm. be, you know, right now I'm studying iconography because uh, we're, we're, we're doing a medieval year this year. So, um, and it's something that I've always wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. And so it's also f- fun to have uh, that opportunity to continue to be a life learner. Um, so it was, it was, yeah, maybe it's more work, but it adds richness to life. Oh, amen. It adds richness. Just like the feast. Just yeah, like the feast. More work, but it adds richness. For sure. Amen. Thanks mm-hmm. for being